And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. What is God's will? I can't tell you the number of times that somebody has asked me a question regarding the will of God. You know, as, a, um, as someone on church staff, as a preacher, or in the ministry, people will often come to you and ask questions concerning the will of God. And they're really good questions, by the way. They deserve an answer. God's will, though, can often be viewed as a dark, ominous, and often mystical, legendary lore that cannot be found. It's seen as almost impossible to know, and, and God, well, He just can't tell you His will. Listen, friend, this simply is not true. You can know the will of God for your life. You can know what God wants you to do with your life. In fact, we're going to look at a few Bible passages today. He talks about us understanding what His will is. Look, everything in our life is to be done in the will of God. You can know it. You can find the will of God for your life, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. Of course, I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez, and thank you for listening on whatever platform you are listening on. We are, of course, on all the major podcasting platforms, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts to Overcast to Radio Public to Breaker to Stitcher to Anchor to... Goodness, I don't, I don't know. If, the, if you're wanting to listen on an interesting platform, you can always go to our website. That's www.sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's sandycreekstirrings.com, and there you'll see a list of the platforms we are listed on, and you can listen on any platform of your choice, or you can listen on our website. Now, our website has everything on there that you need to know. It's got three simple pages. It's got our... Um, when you go onto the website, it's got, of course, the most recently, um, the newest episode, rather. And um, you can go right there on the website, click the play button, and listen directly on our website. doesn't open another window. You don't have to go to a separate page, literally right there on the website. Then we have a page called Episodes. It simply goes through and gives you every single one of our episodes. Of course, this would be today. This would be episode number 93, only seven more episodes till episode number 100. Got some exciting things planned for that. I'm not going to tell you about it yet, but we do have some exciting things planned for the 100th episode. And so if you go to the episodes button on our website, though, you'll see a list of all the episodes that we have ever done here on Sandy Creek Store. Sandy, Sandy. I can't even pronounce the name right. <laughs> Sandy Creek Stirrings. And, of course, 92 episodes. We have an about page that tells you about Sandy Creek Stirrings. Maybe you are new to the podcast. You want to learn a little bit more about it, a little bit more about me. And uh, you can go there to that about page, and it'll give you everything you need to know about the podcast, Sandy Creek Stirrings. And then, of course, we have the contact page. We have the contact page. And there you can go, and you can contact Sandy Creek Stirrings. You can submit a question. You can submit uh, feedback. You can submit a comment. Whatever you like, you can trash talk me. You can do whatever you like there on the contact page, so feel free to make use of that. And uh, you can just go to sandycreekstirrings.com 
go to the contact page and you can contact me through that way. Or you can go to our Facebook page. Let me give a little plug for Facebook. If you're on Facebook, let me encourage you to go to Sandy Creek Stirrings on Facebook. Click that follow button and uh, you can follow the page there. Get updates when our episodes are released. You can also see little videos, little clips, little teasers that uh, a lot of people who are not on Facebook, who do not follow on us on Facebook, they're not going to see. Only our Facebook crowd gets to see the those video clips and teasers and uh, different things like that. And so you want to go to Sandy Creek Stirrings on Facebook, and there you can see all those different things, and you can leave us a review there as well. Now, let me encourage you to do this. We are prepping, of course, for the 100th episode of Sandy Creek Stirrings, and I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're doing. I'll make you wait, make you, you know, build the excitement. And um, But do go to our contact page. If you have a question, um, we've talked about Q&As before. If you have a question you would like to have answered here on the podcast, just simply go to our contact page, and we will uh, do our best to answer that question. But you can submit it on our contact page, or you can message us through Facebook. Either way is fine. And so, but let's go ahead and jump into our episode today before we forget what it is. And the episode for today is knowing the will of God, understanding what the will of God is. In regards to the will of God, you have Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, which says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, there's many people who believe, for whatever reason, I have no idea. But there are many people who believe that you can't know the will of God. Like, it's this mysterious, as we mentioned in the intro, um, it's this mysterious, it's this kind of ominous thing, you can't really know it. It's kind of almost like it has, you know, God has it hidden, and there's it's like a treasure box, and you've got to push all the right buttons to get the key out. And um, that's simply not true, my friend. The Bible says that if if you don't understand what the what the will of the Lord is, if you don't understand God's will for your life, the Bible says that you are unwise. You are unwise. If you follow the proper steps for knowing what the will of the what the will of God is, and we're going to talk about those steps today. If you follow the proper steps and you don't know the will of God, it's because you're honestly not searching for it. Let's just go there. But truth be told, God will reveal His will to you, and if you're in His will, you're doing what you need to do. You're following those steps. God's going to give you His will for your life. You are supposed to understand what it is. God has a will for your life, my friend. God has a will for your life. I don't know what it is. It's different than God's will for my life. Now, the overall grand scheme of things, God called me to be a preacher. God called me to be in full-time ministry, and that's what I'm doing. I'm following God's will for my life. I don't know what God's will for you as a listener is. I cannot tell you. Only God can. And uh, who knows? It may be that he wants you to own a garbage truck company. I have no idea, but God has a will for your life. God has somebody he wants you to marry. That is God's will for your life. God has a place that he wants you to live, which is God's will for your life. God has a job that he wants you to do, which is God's will for your life. God has a will for your life, and it's important that we understand that, because if we don't understand, if we don't know what the will of God is for our life, according to Ephesians 5.17, we are unwise. So as we talk about the will of God in today's episode, I don't know, maybe you have a life decision to make in the future. Maybe to move, maybe to change careers, maybe who you're going to marry. Maybe you'd like to change schools. Maybe you're praying about college or Bible college. Uh, how can you know God's will for your life in the big decisions, but how can you know God's will for your life in these small decisions as well? 
the littler things. And so we're going to talk about some Bible truths for you today on how you can know the will of God for your life. And here's how we're going to approach it today. You cannot know the will of God apart from these things that we're going to list today. If you don't have these things in your life, you cannot know and you will not know the will of God for your life. You have to have these things in your life. If you honestly want to know, say, God, do I need to move? God, do I need to make this career change? God, are you leading me to go into full-time ministry? God, are you leading me to Bible college? Are you leading me to a college? Are you leading me to marry this particular person? Here's the deal. God cannot reveal his will. Rather, God won't reveal his will unless you have these things in your life. And so I'm going to give you just a couple things today, and we'll finish up, and you can continue doing whatever you were doing or whatever you are doing at this current time. And so here's some things you cannot know the will of God apart from. Number one, what do you think? If you were developing this episode, what would you put as the number one thing that you cannot know the will of God apart from? If you said the Word of God, you would be correct. Now look, I this is Sandy Creek Stirrings. You've listened to 92 episodes. If you've been a faithful listener, this is something you know. Look, it may sound a little elementary, may sound a little below your level. Uh, Listener, never forget, unless you are in His Word, you cannot know His will. Unless you are in His Word, you cannot know His will. You cannot know the will of God apart from His Word. Now, as we come to big decisions or even small decisions in our life, we must first ask ourselves this question, is what I'm making a decision on explicitly covered in God's Word? There are many people, and not every scenario is like this, but there are many people who have come to me and said, look, I'm praying about this, is this God's will? And I can say, Absolutely, because it's right here in God's Word. Yes, He wants you to do that. And so many people will say, you know, well, I'm praying if this is God's will, but we skip reading His Word because we really don't want to know in the first place. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm praying about, you know, if it's God's will for me to tithe, I, I can look at them and say, absolutely, it's God's will that you tithe. Here's the reason why. Let me take you to Scripture. And there's certain things in Scripture that God explicitly says is His will, by the way. I'll give you a couple of them. God says that salvation is His will. Salvation is His will. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, "...the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing..." So it's not His will, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's, of course, talking about salvation. Here's what God's saying in that verse. He says, it is not my will that any should perish. That's not my will. By the way, to the Calvinist out there, if you haven't listened to our Calvinism episode, go back and listen to it. It is not God's will for anybody to die and go to hell. He didn't predestinate anybody to go to hell. He didn't pick some over the others. God says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it is not my will that any should perish. Now, if you're struggling with God's will, and you're listening to today's episode, and you're struggling with God's will on getting saved, let me tell you loud and clear, Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is God's will for you to get saved today. By the way, God even says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. And you say, you know, I don't know if God could save a sinner like me. You know what God would respond with? He'd respond with Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. 
You say, well, God couldn't forgive my sins. God responds, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all, all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. My friend, today, if you are listening and you are not saved, there is a struggling in your heart, there is a thirst, there is something pricking at your heart saying, where would you go when you die? Where would you go? Then let me tell you this. Before you leave today and end the night, and lay your head on that pillow, before you do anything else, God wants you to get saved. That is His will. Today is the day. And you can go to heaven when you die. I'm not going to go into a detailed plan of salvation. If you want to know how to get saved, if you have that thirsting and hungering in your heart, then let me encourage you to go way back, way back to Sandy Creek Stirrings. Go to sandycreekstirrings.com. Turn me off right now. Go to sandycreekstirrings.com. Go to episode number, oh, let me pull it up, episode number, episode number five, What is Biblical Salvation? What is biblical salvation? Go and listen to that episode, and you can make a life-changing decision today. That's God's will for your life right now. That's something God says in His Word explicitly. He says, this is my will. Not only that, but you'll find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. 1 Thessalonians, if you have your Bible, you can go there, but it's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4. And it says this, something that is God's will. He says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Sanctification, by the way, is the will of God. Now, sanctification, if we can just break it down very simply, means, and it deals with the idea of separation, being separate from the world, being sanctified for the use of God. In the essence of the word, he's reminding them of the same things he told them, um, the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 17, where he said, Wherefore, come up from among them, and be ye separate. Thus saith the Lord. And here's what Paul uses. If we go back and we go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4, he says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And what Paul's doing here is when he's talking to the Thessalonians, he's using a practical example of fornication, which, by the way, if you were to go back and study out Thessalonica and the church there and the, um, just the area of Thessalonica in general, the fornication in those areas was absolutely rampant. And Paul says that they should have no part in it because they are supposed to be sanctified. And he says in verse 4 that they should know how to possess their vessel, which is their body, their being, in sanctification and honor. And as I said, vessels are referenced to your body, and to put it in a broader spectrum, your life as well. So our bodies, our lives, should be separate from the world, set apart for the use of God. And so when choosing between living for God or living for this world, it should always be to live for God because He's sanctified, He set us apart for His work. You probably heard the name of George Beverly Shea before. Um, he was attending Bible school in Ottawa, and he absolutely loved to sing. After more training in New York City, he was given an audition at one of the radio stations and was offered a contract in New York City. He asked that he might be able to sing gospel songs, and he was told that he might use one occasionally, but he would really have to mainly sing the songs from the hit parade. So what did he do? Well, he 
His mother was praying for him to make the right decision. On Saturday night, she went out to the piano and she placed a poem on the piano. And in the morning, he went to the piano as he normally always did. And he com- he read through that poem. He began to just knock out a tune on the piano and and it became a very famous song. The song was, well, the first verse of that poem said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. You know what he did? He turned down the contract. And a short time later, he was offered a position with a Chicago radio station where he might use the gospel songs he loved. While there, he, uh, of course, met Billy Graham, ended up singing at a lot of the Crusades, I'd Rather Have Jesus. And so, you say, what's the point? He had a choice between living for God or living for the world. We're supposed to be sanctified. We're supposed to be separate, living for God. And sanctification is the will of God for your life. Not only that, God says, ooh, here's a good one. I don't know if you're expecting this or not, but if you go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18, you'll find it says, In everything give thanks. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Did you know that it is God's will for you to say thank you? That's God's will. Every year we move forward to, you know, Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. We're not even going to go there. Uh, But I love Thanksgiving. And you'll begin to hear that verse a lot more. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks, you know, as we move forward to Thanksgiving. You know, that's a command. That's the will of God for the entire year. It's God's will for you to say thank you, but not just, just thank you. But notice what it said, in everything. Look, some people can said to be thankful, but rarely can we find someone who is thankful in everything. Just to give you an example, there was an old-time preacher from back in the 1950s. His name was Ernest Hancock, and he used to tell the story from when he was preaching in Maine. And uh, the pastor of the church he was at said, you know, I want you to go with me and meet one of the most grateful men in the world. And so they traveled out of the town to a humble little home with a little old man sitting on the porch. They visited with him, but the man would say all throughout the conversation that God is so good to me. This this week, this elderly man looked up at the pastor and Dr. Hancock and said, Before you go, I'd like for you to come inside so I can show you something. God is just so good to me. I thank him for his blessings. I've been praying the Lord would give us a kitchen sink so that my wife wouldn't have to dump the dishwater dishwasher dishwater, I'm sorry, outside that she would have a sink to put it in. I was going to the mill the other day, and I I came across a box on the side of the road. I brought it home, and now I have a kitchen sink. I want to have a dedication service right now and have you two preachers pray with me and thank God for this kitchen sink. So Dr. Hancock, they walked in and, and looked, and nailed to the wall was just a wooden box. And on the inside, the elderly man had had an old, rusted-out dishpan. He had taken the edges of that pan, and he had curled it over the sides of the box and nailed it to the side of the box. And in the middle of the dishpan, the man had rigged up a pipe uh, to the pan and out the wall. And as Dr. Hancock looked, the elderly man spoke up, God is so good, I even found some extra lumber and built my wife some kitchen cabinets. Take a look at these. And the two preachers turned and looked, and there on the wall was just a a wooden plank on the wall. No doors, no anything, just one shelf, and had some dishes had had been placed on it very neatly. And the elder, elderly man spoke up and he said, God is so good to me. 
Would you help me thank God for his, for his blessings? And Brother Hancock, he began to pray. And he re- as he tells the story, he said that before he did, he repented in his own heart and then thanked God for the kitchen sink and the cabinets. And when he got home that night, the first thing he did was go to his wife and said, Honey, tonight we're going to have an old-fashioned dedication service. She said, What do you mean? He said, You know how many times I've walked up to our kitchen sink, turned on the water, and I never thank God for it. He said that they went to every piece of furniture that night and thanked God for it. He said he had sat at his table before and thanked God for the food, but he had never thanked God for the table that they put the food on. He thanked God for the light on his nightstand and the bed they had to sleep in. And he always said, that man taught me a lesson on being thankful. I'll be the first to admit, I don't do a great job at thanking God for everything. I firmly believe if we would start thanking God for everything, we would quit complaining so much. We just would. And so when you get home today, let me encourage you in your heart just to start thanking God for everything. So we have those things, but then we have 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, if I'm correct. Um, yes. Well, oh, this is going to be a tough one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well, for so is the will of God. So is the will of God. You know what is the will of God? Submission. It is God's will for you to obey those in authority. As long as they are not asking you, this includes the president, this includes a local government, as long as they are not asking you to do something that violates God's will, it is your responsibility to obey. Look, that's, that's not always easy. That's, di- that's difficult. But it's our job to submit to them. So yes, you should pay the taxes. Yes, you should, this is a hard one, follow the speed limit. <laughs> yes, you should show your government leaders respect. You should. It's your job. It's God's will. And then I find in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Read that portion again. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Did you know that suffering is the will of God? Suffering is the will of God. Paul says the same thing as Peter in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Suffering is the will of God. Now, there's a bunch of preachers on TV that will tell you if you're suffering, you're out of the will of God. That's simply not true. Look, many times there are suffering in following the will of God. Look at Jesus when he came. It was God's will for him to suffer. It was God's will for Joseph to suffer. It was God's will for Job to suffer. You say, why? Well, sometimes to change some things in our lives, sometimes to add things to our lives. But I'll tell you this, I don't always know, and neither will you. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. I can't always tell you the reason, but I can tell you this. It won't be a pleasant road all the time. It won't be a popular road all the time, but it's the best road all the time. It was Joseph who, at the end of the suffering, by the way, said, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. 
It was Job who during the suffering said the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Suffering is sometimes the will of God. Hey, I firmly believe that God brought suffering to my family in 2013 with the illness of my mom. Uh, It wasn't easy. It was hard. She was away for two months and diagnosed with a couple different types of cancer. Then then um, God healed her miraculously. It all disappeared. Then didn't actually see, receive a medical diagnosis for uh, five years. It was hard. It was suffering. But it was the will of God that brought us here to this place, to the church we're at now, Victory Springs Independent Baptist Church. That was the will of God. And so those are some things that we find where God says, this is my will. You'll find some other things, but God says, this is my will. You cannot get away from those things. And you say, well, Brother Josh, you know, that's great, uh, you know, but the decision I'm praying about, you know, I've looked, it's not specifically mentioned in Scripture. It's not going to church. It's not tithing. It's not any of those things. This is something I'm praying about. It's a a life decision, but it's not not specifically covered. I'm praying about college, you know. Which college do I go to? Well, what do you do? You can't know the will of God apart from the Word of God, so you have to get in the Word of God. A simple verse, don't forget it, Psalm 119, verse 105, you know it. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As you go along life's way and you come to a decision and it's a little dark, you don't know what the answer is, just get in the word of God and he will light up your path to show you which way which way you need to go on the decision. I'm going to give you a little bit of a story, and I do not mean in any shape or form to brag on myself, so please do not take it as this, um, as that, rather. But I, um, I feel that it can be effective in giving you just a personal story from my life on when God kind of guided me through a decision, through His Word. It was December 5th, 2018, and uh, I was worried. I was concerned. It was a Wednesday night. And God was really just speaking and tugging on my heart. And uh, I felt in my heart, I had this desire, and I felt like, you know, is God placing this desire in my heart um, to give a sizable portion of my paycheck to God? Out of a $762.99 paycheck, $762.99, I felt like God wanted my wife and I to give $700 of that um, to the church. And so I talked with Tabitha about it. We began praying. We, If you were to look at our bank account, we, at that time we were living paycheck to paycheck, and eventually we're going to have a finance series and talk about what I learned in the difficult time of finances and living paycheck to paycheck. And um, But we only had, if you looked in our bank account, we had $2.50 to our name, literally. Like, I'm not even kidding. We had $2.50 to our name, and our paycheck was coming this was December. Christmas was coming. My only other paycheck would be the 23rd of December. And look, I wasn't sure what to do. I, I begged God for wisdom. I said, like, God, this is a tough decision. I mean, how are we going to buy groceries? How are we going to buy Christmas gifts? How are we going to do any of this? Is, is this something that, you know, Satan is tempting me with? You know, I don't really think Satan's going to tempt you to give money to your church. But anyway, you know, the thought crosses your mind. Let's just be honest. You know, did Satan put this in my heart? The thought crosses your mind. And uh, I began to beg God for wisdom, really, for just uh, a peace, uh, to take my fear away. And uh, I begged God for wisdom. I came upon, as I was reading through my devotions, I came upon Psalm 5, verses 11 through 12. It says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. 
Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Now that verse, when I read it to you, may not mean a whole lot to you. But in that moment, I could feel in my heart God told me, go ahead, I'll take care of you. At the end of all this, as that verse said, you'll be rejoicing. And there was just a peace that God gave from his word. What do we do? We gave the $700. I was scared half to death. I mean, I had $65 to my name for the next two weeks. I had to pay a phone bill. I had to purchase groceries for two weeks. I was scared half to death. The next evening, though, somebody knocked on our door. Knock, knock, knock. My wife opened the door. I was busy doing something, wasn't able to get to the door. And a gentleman from our church was standing there on the front steps, and he said, The Lord told me to give this to you. And he had some money in his hand. He said, I was driving, I was driving here. I, I had just a, I forget how much. He said just a, I don't know if it was a 20 or a 30 bucks or something like that. And he said, I was going to drop it off to you. He said, but as I was driving, God told me to give you all the money in my wallet, not just what I would planned to give you. And so he placed three hundred dollars in her hand. Within just a couple days, we got some Christmas cards in, and they had money and gift cards inside. An elderly lady walked up to me in our church and handed me a hundred dollars after a Sunday night service. Then to top it off, for, for some reason, my workplace, which was unusual, put a bonus in my check. On the 23rd, a bonus of two hundred and seventy-five dollars. Look, we gave $700 because I felt it was God's will, and it was, by the way. And within two weeks, you know what he had done? He had provided over $800 back to us, and by the way, we had a wonderful Christmas. And um, that's just the way God works. You may be praying about a Bible college. You may be praying about somebody to marry, and God may just be putting a desire in your heart. You say, God, is this your will? And as you're reading along in your devotions, if you're staying faithful to God's Word, He'll show you. He'll put a peace in your heart. Keep in the Word of God. God will show you His will. And so there's something else, though, that you cannot know the will of God apart from God's Word, but then you can't know the will of God apart from waiting on God. Apart from waiting on God. The Bible says in Psalm 62, verse number 5, My soul, wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. Isaiah 30, verse 18 says, Blessed are all they that wait for him. Jeremiah 14, 22 says, We will wait upon thee, for thou hast made all these things. Hosea 12, 6 says, Therefore turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. Micah 7, 7 says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. Look, the Bible has a lot to say about waiting on God, waiting for Him. And waiting really deals with two aspects. I'll give you those quickly so we won't take too much more time. But waiting deals with, number one, praying. Okay, you must be praying. If you want to know the will of God, how can you expect to know apart from spending serious time in prayer? The problem is, you know, we often want to decide the will of God for ourselves and use prayer as more of a, you know, check off the box and move along action. You know, there was a young preacher, and a church asked him to come and be their pastor. And he told his wife, he said, start packing, I'm going to go pray. Well, he had already made his decision. Um, he had already made it. Never make a decision without spending serious time in prayer. I'm not talking about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I'm talking about an hour, two hours, three hours, several days in a row. Like, I'm not 
talking like 24 hour days, like you're praying 24 hours straight for like four days. But I'm saying, you know, a large portion of that day devote to prayer, fasting, things of that sort. Every single bad decision, by the way, every single bad decision you'll ever make in life can be accredited to a lack of prayer. Every single bad decision can be accredited to a lack of prayer. And then not only is it, does it have to deal with prayer, but it also deals with this idea of not being too hasty to make a decision. Learn to wait. One of the best things you can do, especially in the area of finances when you're looking at making a big purchase, is learning to just sleep on it. Just go to bed. You don't have to make a decision right now. You say, well, I'm thinking about buying a car. Sleep on it. That car probably won't look as pretty as it did the next morning. And uh, learn to get counsel from good, godly sources. Just give the decision a little bit of time. Just learn to wait on God. Don't rush to a judgment. Sometimes God takes time because he wants to grow your faith. I contend that if it was always an immediate answer, our faith would never never grow because God's right on time every time. God's right on time every time. And so learn just to wait on him. Wait for him to provide. Don't make a hasty decision. Look, you don't need to meet a meet a young lady and say, we're going to get married tomorrow. That's not a good idea. That's uh, You need to learn to wait. Just because a college tour group comes through your church and you say, you know what, I, I'm going to go to that Bible college. Sign me up. That's not a good idea. Learn to wait and learn to just don't rush to judgment. Learn to get counsel. Learn to just, you know, take your time and wait on the Lord. And then number three, you cannot know the will of God apart from the Word of God. You cannot know the will of God apart from waiting on God. And then you cannot know the will of God apart from being willing for God, from being willing for God. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You've probably heard the verse before. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You cannot expect to know God's will or for Him to reveal it to you unless you are willing to follow God no matter what His will is. It doesn't matter if He leads to a valley. You need to be willing. It doesn't matter if He leads to a mountaintop. You need to be willing. It doesn't matter if blessings are ahead. You need to be willing. It doesn't matter if suffering is ahead. You should be willing. To know God's will, you must be willing to look at God and say, God, I honestly, it doesn't matter what decision, if you'll just show me, God, I'm praying to you, I'm waiting on you, I'm staying in your word. If you'll just show me, Lord, I promise I'm willing to follow you. I really want an answer from you, Lord, and I want to follow your will. God will know if you're actually willing or not. You can you can fake willingness in front of me, You can fake willingness in front of your church family. You can fake it in front of your spouse, in front of your children. But listen, you can never fake willingness before God. He knows your true heart. Franklin Roosevelt's Roosevelt's closest advisor during much of his presidency was a man named Harry Hopkins. I don't know if you've heard his name before, but during World War II, when his influence with Roosevelt was at its peak, Hopkins held no official cabinet position. And Hopkins' closeness to Roosevelt really caused many to regard him as kind of this shadowy, sinister figure. And as a result, he was really kind of a—he became a, a political liability in the era of polit- politics to the, uh, to the president. 
A political foe once asked Roosevelt, he said, why do you keep Hopkins so close to you? You surely realize that people distrust him and even resent his influence. And President Roosevelt replied this way. He said, someday you may well be sitting here where I am now as the president of of the United States. And when you are, you'll be looking at that door over there and knowing that practically everybody who walks through it wants something out of you. You'll learn what a lonely job this is, and you'll discover the need for somebody like Harry Hopkins, who asks for nothing except to serve you. Winston Churchill rated Hopkins as one of the half-dozen most powerful men in the world in the early 1940s, and the sole source of Hopkins' power was his willingness to serve. Listen, my friend, God doesn't care about your abilities. He, He made you. He knows what your abilities are. What he does care about is your willingness to serve. Dr. Oliver B. Green preached this. He said, what God commands, God provides. God has never asked a man to do anything that God didn't give him the strength to do it. God has never asked a man to believe anything that if that man will permit God, God will give him the faith to do it. God supplies everything God demands. You just have to be willing. You just have to be willing. You've heard my story before. Uh, I'll tell it again because it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about today. In 2014, I had been at Golden State Baptist College for about a month and a half. Look, I, I loved college life. I loved dorm life. I loved classes. I loved the big ministry. I mean, a large ministry out there. I, I enjoyed the cafeteria meals most times, and um, I loved college life. I just, I enjoyed college life. I really did. And then I got a call. My parents were in the States and decided to plant a church in High Springs, Florida. They felt it was the will of God. They were following the will of God, so they were going to go plant this church. And immediately, immediately when my dad told me that, there was just something in my heart. I felt like God was telling me to go back. That was a decision I wanted to make sure that was in the will of God. Look, I followed the advice that I gave you today. I soaked myself in the Word of God. Breakfast every morning was, I believe, at 7 a.m. Yeah, 7. I never went to breakfast for the first few, for the first few weeks of college because it was too early. And, uh, but God got a hold of my heart and really I, I wanted to make sure I made the right decision. And so I started being faithful in my devotions. I would go before breakfast and I would read my Bible and then walk around the parking lot and pray. And I told my dad, I said, you know, I have a big decision to make. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want you to, you know, counsel me in any way that would affect my decision. I, I, I need to make sure this is God's will. And so for a couple of weeks, I didn't tell him. And, um, I determined in my heart that no matter how hard it was to make this decision, I was willing. You see, I'll be honest with you, in a lot of colleges around the United States, and I understand it, I completely get it, but if you leave the school, it's almost looked at like you couldn't handle the heat, you were a dropout, you were a quitter. And I had a couple men that I really looked up to that I counseled with, and they told me that I, you know, I shouldn't leave. It would be a bad decision. 
And I see what they're saying. Most people don't leave college in God's will. They'll say it's in God's will, but it's really not. Um, they just they didn't want to you know do their classes. They didn't want to continue to follow God. They decided they wanted to go a different route. Most of the time, people leave colleges for not the right reason. And so I don't I don't look at bad at those men for any reason. Um, I carry no bitterness or anything in my heart towards them. They were counseling as they felt best, and that's exactly what they needed to do. But it was a hard decision, not only because I'd be leaving something I love, but I was also worried. You know, what would people think of me? And you say, well, you shouldn't think about that. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we put it so far out of the way that, you know, we should care to some extent what people think of us. So needless to say, in my heart, though, with this big decision, I, um, I prayed about it. I soaked myself in the Word of God. I didn't make an overnight decision. And then I just chose to be willing no matter what the decision was. And I could look you in the eye when I made that decision that I needed to leave and come back and help start the church here. I could look you in the eye, and I could still look you in the eye today, even though you're listening to my voice, and uh, tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was God's will for me to help plant this church. It was God's will. Because I followed the steps, I made a wise decision, and I knew what God's will for my life was. I soaked myself in the Word of God. I waited on God, and I was willing for whatever God's will was. And if you do the same, my friend, you can rejoice at the end of the decision to stay in God's will. Ephesians 5.17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Listener out there today, I don't know what decision God is working on your heart about. I don't know if it's a big decision, a small decision. But I can tell you this, if you want to know the will of God, God wants just as much to show it to you. But you have to make sure you have the Word of God, you're waiting on God, and you're willing for whatever answer He gives you. And when you put those three things in your life, God will show you what His will is. So friend, soak yourself in the Word of God, wait on God, and be willing for whatever God's will is. And as you make that vital decision to stay in the will of God, a life of rejoicing, let me encourage you, Keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.